You're listening to Summit Podcasts, where you'll find sermon audio, weekly discussions of the message, the Back 40 Leadership Podcast, and much, much more. Subscribe today at summitpodcast.church and share this episode with your friends. Summit Church, every life made different. And today I'm actually, we're continuing our series called Much Fruit, where we're walking through the fruit of the Spirit together. And today the the fruit that we're talking about is the fruit of gentleness. And I'm actually going to start with my passage in Galatians chapter 5 today. Uh, This is the fruit of the Spirit. And Paul says this to the Galatian church, the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. Today we'll be talking about the fruit of gentleness. And I feel like this is appropriate for us because, um, well, we'll get into this, but there's all kinds of connotations for men, what we should be or shouldn't be. Um, and, and gentle isn't always something that is exciting for us. So we'll get into that in a moment. Here's the thing though. We're to produce fruit, the, the good fruit of the Spirit, but Jesus actually calls us, he mandates that we will produce much fruit. And so he says this in John chapter 15, verse five, he says, I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Anyone who does not remain in me is thrown away like a useless branch and withers. Such branches are gathered into a pile to be burned. But if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you may ask for anything you want and it'll be granted. When you produce much fruit, you're my true disciples. See, much fruit is evidence of our discipleship, that we're truly following Jesus when our lives are producing much fruit. We think church attendance is evidence of our fruitfulness, that, hey, I'm a follower of Jesus because I go to church sometimes. Or we think that, um, well, hey, once in a while I pray, or hey, sometimes I watch service online, or all these, these religious marks in our life, we think, okay, if I just do this, then I'll be. But what Jesus says is, no, 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 if you're producing fruit, much fruit, that's evidence that you're actually my follower. And then he says, this brings great glory to my Father, that our, our fruitfulness brings glory to God. So again, our fruit that we're looking at today is the fruit of gentleness. And the word gentleness here in the Greek, it's a Greek word, praoutes. And praoutes means mildness of disposition, gentleness of spirit, meekness. And it's actually uh, derived from another Greek word, and it's praus. And praus is a word that just means meek. Anytime you see the word praus in the Greek uh, language in scripture, it is usually translated as meek. Uh, And I don't know about you, but these are not words that feel complimentary to the man. Like if today you were were talking to a guy and you said, hey, I just want you to know you are the most gentle person I've ever met. Most guys are not gonna be like, well, thank you very much. I've been aiming for that. I appreciate it. Thank you. There is nobody as meek as you are. I just want you to know they're not gonna be just like, oh, that is so kind. I appreciate you hearing that, you know, saying that to me. Because most of us think of gentleness and meekness as weakness. We think somebody who is meek is inept. They're not capable. Uh, they're weak. Uh, they, they lack power or strength because that's, that you're, you're only gentle because you are weak. That's what we think. And it's interesting because in the, in the first century church, um, it was u- kind of universally accepted that meekness and gentleness was something that it was, it was an attribute everybody should want. But in our culture today, it's kind of the opposite. We don't want to be people that are known as gentle or meek. We think that's a sign of, 
um, of weakness. We think it's a sign that, that there's something deficient with us, but it's not the case at all. In fact, Scripture calls us to be strong but meek. And I don't know how we reconcile that in our current culture because not to get on a political spiel, but let's just be honest, the, the world in which we currently live, the culture is combative toward biblical masculinity. The world is not excited about seeing strong, godly men in the world. In fact, what we see a lot of times in our culture is we will feminize men and we, um, we, mascul we masculinize women. So, and hear me, I've got three girls in my home and I want my wife and my two daughters to be strong. I want them to be independent. I don't want them to be weak. I don't want them to be victims, but I want them to be who they are. They are women. And I want men, godly men, to find their places in their homes and in our world to lead from a biblical perspective with strong opinions and strong views. But I also want them to have meekness and gentleness as the Bible calls us to. So how do we reconcile these things? Because they feel like they're foreign. They feel like they're separate. But in fact, they're not really at all. They are, they are one and the same if we can look at it the right way. In, in 2 Timothy 1, 7, uh, Paul tells Timothy this. He says, for God gave us a spirit, not of fear, but of power, love, and self-control. So another translation says, God didn't give us the spirit of fear and timidity. He did not make us, God didn't give us the spirit of timidity. He gave us the spirit of power, love, and self-control. Now we talked about love a couple weeks ago as we started the fruit of the spirit. I think we universally understand how important love is in our culture, especially as Christians, that we should be loving. That's why the fruit of the spirit, I believe Paul started with the fruit of love, that everything begins and ends with love. So we understand that one, but then it's bookended with power and self-control. And I think this is a key to understanding meekness. This is a key to understanding gentleness because God has created us to be powerful. His spirit dwells in us and lives in us and the Holy Spirit empowers us to live lives that are impactful in our world. That he doesn't want us to live lives where we just endure until we stop breathing in and out. He wants us to live lives that, that influence and impact the people around us, that, that bless the people we come into contact with, that are powerful, but he also expects us to have self-control. So, so here's the thing. Gentleness is not weakness. Gentleness is restrained power. So when we hear gentleness, we think weak, but we need to change the definition on our minds and understand when God calls us to gentleness, he's not calling us to weakness, he's calling us to restrain the power within us in certain situations. So think about it this way. Um, horses are powerful. If you are untrained with a horse, you might be in trouble if you get around a horse because they are powerful, but their power lies in their restraint. You can harness a horse to pull a plow, to move heavy objects, to do all kinds of things. Lightning, in Western PA, we don't have as many lightning storms as we used to have when I lived in Oklahoma or Texas. We would see lightning storms all the time. They're beautiful from a distance. You don't wanna be flying in a plane through a lightning storm, right? 
We, we love electricity because we like being able to flip the switch on in our house. We like that electricity. We don't want a lightning bolt to hit our house though because it's electricity, but it's unrestrained power. We like it flowing to our house. We pay Penelec every month and they bring us electricity. We flip the lights on and off. We like that restrained power. That's what that is. I think back to when my girls were little. Uh, Abby was about three when Emma was born. And when we brought Emma home, we had to be careful with her around Abby. And it's not that Abby was a powerhouse, she was three, right? Three-year-olds, you're not like recruiting a a group of three-year-olds to come help you move to a new location. You're like, we need some real muscle. Hey, can we get the toddler class from Summit Church to come help us move this couch? No, they're not powerful, but in comparison to a newborn, they are. So when Abby sees Emma, she wants to touch her. She wants to grab her. She wants to hold her and squeeze her. And, and we have to go, no, 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 Gentle, right? Be gentle. You gotta be gentle with Emma. Be, be careful with her. Be easy. And it's not that Abby was powerful, but it was that her power was unrestrained toward Emma. And that's what we're really saying. You need to restrain your power toward her. See, she's, she's fragile. She, she could be hurt. So you need to be careful with her. And this is what God wants for us. I think in the same way that, that we would tell Abby, gentle, gentle. I think the Holy Spirit is, is trying to work in us. And there's situations in our lives where we, we have power that's unrestrained in certain situations. And the Holy Spirit's going, no, 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 gentle, gentle. You're gonna cause damage in this moment. You're gonna hurt this relationship. You're gonna say something you shouldn't. You're gonna say it in the wrong way. Gentle, restrain your power. And and you've heard me say this. I've never preached a sermon that was for you guys. I've never ever been writing a message that I was like, oh, I'm gonna get them with this one. Oh, this guy needs to hear this. I, I mean this sincerely. Every sermon I've ever preached, I feel like God deals with me first and foremost. And this is one of those days because I am not given naturally to gentleness. It is something that has to be produced in my life. And I wanna remind you what I said a few weeks ago, gifts are given, fruit is cultivated. See, some of us want the gift of gentleness. Okay, God, just make me gentle. That is not going to happen. We are not praying today that God will magically, instantaneously give you the, the gift of gentleness. We're not praying for that. But what we're gonna pray is, God, cultivate gentleness in my life. Do the work in me that needs to be done. Remember what we talked about, that the master gardener, God, is the one who prunes. He's the one who makes us more fruitful. So what we're gonna pray is, God, prune away what you need to prune away. Cut the things out of my life that are gonna make me more fruitful in the area of gentleness. God doesn't want you to be weak. He wants you to be powerful. He He wants you to be strong. Whether you are a man or a woman, his desire is to work through you powerfully, but he also desires that you will understand and have the discernment when to be gentle. There was a a French Catholic priest and he became a saint, Francis de Salais, and he said this, nothing is so strong as gentleness, nothing so gentle as real strength. See, sometimes the stereotypical man thinks, 
all we can be is strength and masculinity and bravado and real men shoot things and blow things up and we're aggressive all the time. And there is some truth to that. But that's not exclusively what men are. And we think if we're gentle, it's a sign of weakness. But I want you to know gentleness is a sign of supreme strength, in my opinion. And that people that don't understand how to be gentle are people that aren't really as strong as they think they are. Titus chapter three. Um, I, love, I love the book of Titus. Titus and Paul had a unique relationship. Paul, um, it appears historically and biblically that, that Titus was like a son for, for Paul. And so he had a unique relationship with him that was different than any of his other relationships with any of the people that traveled with him. And so he writes to Titus as a spiritual son. And so there's, it's, it's got a greater level of intimacy than you see in some of his other letters um, because it's personal. And so Titus was pastoring on the, the Greek island of Crete and Paul writes to him and he's trying to help him pastor the people better. And he says this in Titus chapter three, verse one, remind the believers to submit to the government and its officers. They should be obedient, always ready to do what is good. And then in verse two, it says this, they must not slander anyone and must avoid quarreling. Instead, they should be gentle and show true humility to everyone. Now, remember the context. He's talking about politics. And he says, hey, um, be obedient to those who are in governmental authority to you, which I know that's a popular statement. He says, be obedient. And then he says this. He said, don't slander people. Don't talk trash about people. Don't, don't, don't hate on people. He said, instead, they should be gentle and true, show true humility to everyone. They should be humble and gentle. That's what he says. And in, in my opinion, I believe that the church in America would, be, would have been better off today if over the last five or six or eight years, the church in America, instead of yelling about what we didn't like, would have been humble and gentle. Because this is the thing I've realized in my own personal life. Um, gentleness, the fruit of gentleness is cut off in my life because of pride many times. Pride will keep me from being gentle. I'll give you an example. Um, someone may question me about something I'm doing or not doing or saying or not saying or whatever it is, and my pride will rise up and go, they think you're not smart. You need to defend yourself. You need to prove that they are wrong. And so my pride and my flesh will wanna go, well, you're wrong. What happens? Well, I'm not being gentle because my pride says, you can't be gentle, you're being attacked right now. Now, I know this doesn't happen to any of you guys, the people in Blairsville, you're exempt from this. We don't, you don't deal with it, I do. This is just me personally today. Nobody else deals with this, I'm sure except for me. So just let me confess to you guys. Is that okay? They think you don't know what you're doing. They're, they're questioning you. So what do you do? You smash them. You squash them. Some of you are like, oh, I don't do that. Yeah, you do. I've seen your posts on Facebook. <laughs> now, 
I don't know how you're doing it, but it feels like you're typing it like this. Some angry typing going on, or maybe you're on your mobile device like as fast as you can with your thumbs. Why? Why do we do that? Because people offend us. They, they have a different view than we do. And we immediately go, you're wrong. I'll tell you why you're wrong. And this is not very gentle when we respond that way. And it's because our pride is being attacked because we feel like, um, well, they think they're smarter than we are. And we can't let them think that. We've got to prove that we're smarter. We've got to prove they're wrong. See, that's the thing. Sometimes we're, not only are we not acting righteously, we're not even trying to prove that we're right. We're just trying to prove somebody else is wrong. Because we're trying to win. What we don't understand is we win in the end. Um, so many of us, we seek the, the vain pleasure of one-upsmanship because we lack foresight. We lack the ability to see that at the end, God reconciles all of creation back to himself, that, that everything's gonna work out. And this was not intended to be a political statement, but I'll just say this. No matter who runs for the Republicans, no matter who runs for the Democrats, God is still in charge. And I've read the end of the Bible and I know how it's gonna work out. We're gonna be okay. Is there gonna be some persecution? You better believe it. Are there gonna be some rough days ahead? Absolutely. But we're gonna be okay because I get to heaven someday. But we lack foresight. Remember what I said earlier, Matthew 5, 5. Jesus said, well, I don't think I actually read this earlier. Blessed are the meek for they shall inherit the earth. But we don't think about that because we hear this verse, blessed are the meek, and it sounds like blessed are the weak. But here's the thing. You and I have an inheritance. And that inheritance as followers of Jesus is the whole earth. We get so focused on the here and now that, that we think that, that meekness and weakness are the same thing. So it says, blessed are the weak for they shall inherit the earth. And we go, no, 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 no. I know that's not true because in my workplace, the guys who will step on other people's heads as they're going up the corporate ladder, they're the ones who succeed. The people that are cutthroat, the people who are aggressive, the people who are angry, they're the people who succeed. The, the people who are meek, they are, door, they are doormats. They're overlooked. And that is in our economy, in our world, but in the heavenly economy and in, in the kingdom of heaven, Jesus says, no, 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 the, the gentle might get knocked over from time to time here on planet earth, but in the kingdom of heaven, the gentle will actually be the inheritors of the whole earth. Why? Because our father owns the whole earth, all of creation. We will have dominion in the end. Um, I have the, the privilege of being the, the chaplain for the IUP baseball team. And they had a great season this year, enjoyed getting to hang out with those guys. They were a lot of fun. As a matter of fact, one of our guys and his girlfriend are being baptized next weekend here at Summit Church. I'm so excited for that, I'm pumped. Um, and one of the things I told the team at the very beginning of the season, when the season started, I said, guys, if you are as good, because every year I talk to athletes from IUP and somebody is disappointed with their playing time or whatever it might be. And, and every time I'll tell them the same thing. If you are good enough, they will play you. You don't have to complain. You don't have to gripe. Just work as hard as you can. 
Be the best you can be. You don't have to talk a big game. You don't have to tell people how awesome you are. You show up and prove it on the field. And I've known lots of people that love to tell people how good they were, but their performance didn't back that up. And a lot of times we're the same way. It may not be with athletics, but we like to talk a big game. We like to talk about how smart we are, how intelligent, how how gifted, how strong, how powerful, how wealthy, whatever it is, we like to talk about those things. And in my opinion, if you have to tell people how good you are, you're probably not that good. Prove it with your actions. Display it. Because a lot of times, what causes me to have pride is that I'm actually insecure. So my insecurity undermines my ability to be gentle. I can't be gentle because I'm so insecure. Well, they said this, what did they mean by that? And now I have to defend myself. I have to be harsh. But that's not what God wants for me. What I need to feel the need, uh, what I need, what I have the need to feel like I needed to brag about how big my house was to somebody else if I knew someday I had an inheritance If I had a friend whose house was bigger than my house and I felt insecure, would I need to brag about the fact that, well, I'm getting a bigger house someday? Or could I just celebrate for my friend and go, man, what a great house you got, good for you. Because I have a a father who's gonna leave me an inheritance. And our inheritance is the whole world. But yet we're so insecure about what people might think about us that we feel the need to fight and be harsh and gentleness evaporates from our life. And this is the thing, Jesus wants us to be gentle because he is gentle. He wants us to have power that's restrained because he understood what it means to have restrained power. You know, Jesus was no weakling. Jesus called himself meek. Only a few people in scripture were called meek. Jesus was one of them. Matthew eleven twenty eight and 29, Jesus said, come to me all who are weary and carry heavy burdens and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I am humble and gentle at heart and you'll find rest for your souls. The the word for gentle there is a word we talked about earlier that also means meek. That's why some of the translations say meek. And he says, hey, if you're carrying a burden you can't carry, come to me. Let, Let me carry the burden for you. He says, I can do that because I am, I'm humble and I'm gentle and, and when you come to me, you'll find rest for your soul. And here's the thing, when I'm constantly trying to protect myself because my insecurity is saying they're out to get you and you gotta defend yourself, you gotta project strength, it's exhausting. It will wear you out, whether you are a man or a woman, it doesn't matter. And what Jesus is saying is, hey, hey, let down your guard. Let me carry some of that burden for you. That insecurity you have that you know you're not really as strong as you want people to think you are, let me carry that for you. Let me make you strong. And when you do, you're gonna find rest for your souls. You're gonna be able to go, <sighs> breathe deeply in your soul. He said, the reason I can do that is because I'm humble and I'm, I'm, I'm meek, I'm gentle. And we see this over and over in scripture. Now, it's, it's interesting because when you look at the life of Jesus, he's gentle many times. Oh, over and over. We'll look at a, a story in just a second, but he's not always gentle. There are times that he's decidedly not gentle. 
I think about the time that Jesus walked into church and he's going into the lobby and, the, and out in the lobby, they've got the money changers out there and they've got the, the people that are trading animals and they're selling animals and they're making profits. And, and really he, they're ripping off God's people. And Jesus did not treat them gently. He starts flipping tables over. <laughs> if Jesus did that in one of our churches today, we'd call the police on the guy because we'd be like, this guy's crazy. That's what he did. He started flipping tables over and driving them out of the church. And he said, hey, my house will be a house of prayer. But you've made it a den of thieves. He was not gentle with those guys. None of those guys would be like, you know what? He's so nice. In James chapter three, it talks about the gentleness of wisdom, that there is something about understanding and being able to discern, okay, when will I use the power that God has given me? And when will I restrain the power that God has given me? And the way Jesus did it was he was harsh with religious people and gentle with sinners, which is kind of ironic because in our modern, modern world today, we tend to be harsh to sinners and gentle with church people which is one reason, one explanation why so many people don't like the church. Because we like you as long as you look like us and dress like us and talk like us and vote like us. But if you don't, well, you can come, but you're just not gonna be very comfortable here. So what does Jesus do? John chapter eight. John chapter eight, um, Jesus had gone to the temple. He had gone to the temple early one morning. He was teaching, and it says in verse three, as he was speaking, the teachers of religious law and the Pharisees brought a woman who'd been caught in the act of adultery. They put her in front of the crowd. Teacher, they said, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. The law of Moses says to stone her, what do you say? Now, the next verse actually says they were trying to trap him into saying something that they could use against him. They were trying to trap him. The reason they were trying to trap him is they understood two things very well. Number one, the law of Moses required that this woman would be stoned to death. It was a capital crime for her to do that. So the law of Moses required her to be stoned to death, but they also understood Roman law prohibited them from stoning this woman to death. So they were ready because if Jesus said, let's follow the law of Moses, she should be put to death. They were gonna report him to the Romans for insurrection. And they also understood that if he said, hey, Mosaic law says this, but the Roman law says this, so we've got to, we can't stone her because of Roman law. They were gonna call him a heretic. Well, you're a heretic. They were trying to trap him. And, and Jesus doesn't even mention, by the way, at least it's not recorded, the fact that Mosaic law was equally as punitive for the man and the woman. So they caught this woman in the act of adultery, but the man escaped somehow. So what does Jesus do? It says in verse six, Jesus stooped down and wrote in the dust with his finger. They kept demanding an answer. So he stood up again and said, all right, but let the one who has never sinned throw the first stone. Then he stooped down again and wrote in the dust. When the accusers heard this, they slipped away one by one, beginning with the oldest, until only Jesus was left in the middle of the crowd with the woman. I love this because I think there's some wisdom in age. As we get older, we should be getting wiser. And I think the, these people that were a little older in the crowd who had picked up their stones, they were ready. They went, oh, all right. I'm not without sin. So they just let the rock fall from their hand. 
they begin to slip away. Now, I don't know what Jesus wrote in the sand. I'm not sure. There's a lot of speculation of this. There's a lot of questions in our life that I don't know the answer for. I, I don't know that we'll only know when we get to heaven. Um, and there's a lot of questions I don't care about that we don't know that I'm not gonna bother God with when we get to heaven. But this is one I'm gonna ask God about. What did Jesus write in the sand? I want to know what he wrote. And there's a lot of speculation, lots of different ideas. Um, one of the ideas is that the woman was dragged from the act of adultery. She might've been naked. She might've been totally nude. And so they did this to, to shame her publicly. And because of that, Jesus lowered his eyes so that he would not add any more shame to her. This was a, maybe an act of honor for Jesus to keep from dishonoring her by looking on her nakedness. Now, again, that's speculation you don't know. Uh, there's some speculation that Jesus might've written something more personal in the sand. Maybe he wrote a scripture. But, but what if Jesus knelt down in the sand and all these accusers were standing around with their rocks ready to kill this woman and Jesus began writing the domains of the search histories of the men and women in the group in the sand. All the websites that they had visited that they hoped nobody would know about. What if he began writing the phone number of the, the relationship that this guy has with this girl that he shouldn't have, this girl has with this man that's married? He, he's writing the phone number in the sand. What if he's exposing, not publicly, but to the people that are standing there that he knows what their sin is? All of a sudden, they become very reluctant. They slip away. I don't know what it was, but I'm interested to find out. But this is what I know. Even in that moment, Jesus could have dealt harshly with those people. He could have started calling them out and going, I know your sin and your sin and your sin and your sin. And he could have called them out publicly. He didn't. He dealt gently with them in that moment. And then we see what he does with this woman. It says in verse 10, then Jesus stood up again and said to the woman, where are your accusers? Didn't even one of them condemn you? And this is rhetorical because they're all gone. She said, no, Lord. And he said, neither do I go and sin no more. He says, neither do I condemn you. He said, hey, there's no condemnation from me to you, but go and sin no more. See, Jesus was strong enough that he could be gentle with this woman, but he also didn't water down anything. He didn't say, you know what? You've been doing the best you can God knows your heart, so just, just do, do as good as you can. It'll be okay. If you're really sincere, it'll work out okay. He doesn't say any of that. He says, go and sin no more. The way you've been living is dishonoring and displeasing to God and to me. So, so don't do that anymore. Live differently than you've lived. And we don't know what happened to her story. We don't know how it turned out. I believe that this probably was a watershed moment for her where everything changed. It was a hinge for her life where everything swung in a different direction. I don't know. But I know that the gentleness of Jesus impacted this woman profoundly. It saved her life, probably. And this is the way God approaches us. God wants us to be gentle, not just so we can be nice in our world. He wants us to be gentle because that's who he is. God is gentle. He deals with us gently. 
He loves us in spite of what we've done, in spite of our history and our background. He approaches us in a way that is gentle if we're repentant. See, sinners were repentant. They would come to Jesus and they'd recognize their need for a savior. The religious people, Jesus dealt harshly with them because they didn't recognize they needed a savior. They didn't recognize that they needed repentance. They needed a change. They needed to submit their hearts to God. And that's the difference. Romans chapter eight says, so now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. And the difference is, who do you belong to? Are you your own? Are you property of Christ Jesus? I believe that God is here. He's in this place right now. Jesus is approaching us and he's saying something like this. I know what you've done. I know where you've been but I do not condemn you, but go and sin no more. When we do that, that's the beginning of a beautiful relationship with Christ. God wants us to be gentle in the way that he is gentle. Right now, I'm gonna turn it over to our hosts in Blairsville. They're gonna close out our time and they're gonna give you a chance to respond. I love you guys more than you know and I'm so glad I get to be your pastor. God bless you. So today, the invitation is really quite simple. Do you know Christ? Do you recognize that you have need for a savior? In our world, we have all kinds of standards and we go, well, I'm not that bad. But the truth is anyone outside of Christ is destined for hell. And it's not that God sends people to hell. Our own choices dictate that that is our destination unless there's intervention. And Christ Jesus arrives on the scene to intervene in our story. So no matter how good you are, no matter how nice you are, if you don't have Christ in your life, hell is your destination. And just like this woman, Christ said, I don't condemn you, but go and sin no more. This is an invitation for her to walk differently. And Christ is inviting us to walk differently. So if you're here today and you're not in relationship with Jesus, today is your day. And he is here gently encouraging you, inviting you to walk with him. Maybe you're here today and you're a Christian, you're a believer, you're going to heaven, but you recognize, you can look, maybe at today, this morning, you can look and go, I lack gentleness. The, the fruit of, there's not much fruit of gentleness in my life. I don't have much gentleness, but I need to. And you need the Holy Spirit to help you. Remember, you can't do it on your own. It has to be cultivated. You can't will it to happen, but you have to submit yourself to God and let him prune what he wants to prune to produce fruit in you, to produce gentleness in you. And it may be painful, but it's worth it if you'll let him. God, I pray that you'd have your way with us in these next few moments. <laughs> oh God, we are so rebellious and so selfish, but yet you deal with us gently. Your kindness is what brings us to repentance. And so God, I pray that you would gently draw us to you. Help us see your beauty and your kindness. And I pray in that, our hearts would be transformed. So God, minister in and through us today. Make us different for your glory. Now with nobody looking around, if you're here today and you'd say, Mel, I know I'm not really serving God. I know I'm not in a relationship with God, but I'm a little bit like that woman. I recognize my need for a savior. I can't do it on my own. 
my goodness is not gonna save me. My moralism is not gonna save me, but I need a savior, I need Jesus. So I wanna surrender my life to him today. I'd love to pray for you. If you wanna be included in that prayer, would you put your hand up real high where I can see it? If you'd say, Mel, that's me. Yeah, thank you. I see you on my left. Thank you, ma'am. Yeah, thank you, sir. I see you in the center section. Thank you on my far left. Yeah, I see you, buddy. Awesome. Who else would join these and say, that's me? Yeah, thank you, sir. I see you in the center section. You can put your hand down. Great. How many of you are here today and you say, Mel, I'm a, I'm a Christian, I'm going to heaven, but I have not prioritized the fruit of gentleness in my life and I need the Holy Spirit to help cultivate in that in me because that does not come naturally. I, I need that cultivated. I recognize my need for that. I want the Holy Spirit to help me with that. Would you put your hand up real high if you say, I need, a, I need more fruitfulness and gentleness. Yeah, a bunch of hands all over the place. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for your honesty. I appreciate it. Yeah, let's pray together. Lord, thank you for, for your gentle ways with us. Thank you that you love us with a love that we can't understand. And God, I pray that as we press into you and know you more intimately, I pray that our insecurities would melt away, our pride would diminish, that God, we would be able to trust who you are and trust who we are, that we would see that we are sons and daughters of God, that we don't have to strive, we don't have to impress people, we don't have to display how powerful we are because we can walk in the security knowing who we are. So God, I pray that you would cultivate the fruit of gentleness in our lives. I pray that you would prune what needs to be pruned out. I pray that you'd cut away things that need to be cut out. Lord, remove things that are detrimental to that fruit. And I pray that it would increase, that, that our families would see it, our friends would see it, people in our workplaces would see it, in our schools. So God, I pray that you would help us be people who produce much gentleness. And I pray that that would make a difference in our world, that people would see your goodness and kindness through us. So God, have your way with us. I pray that you would give us ideas and understanding how this is gonna look practically in our lives. And God, I pray that, that we'd be fully submitted to you in this process. So God, have your way with us. <laughs> now in Romans chapter 10, verse nine, it says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. So, so I wanna pray a prayer with you. I'm gonna give you the words to say, but this is your prayer. So pray this prayer out loud but it's your prayer from your heart to God. So pray this prayer with me, everyone in the room. Heavenly Father, thank you for sending Jesus, your one and only son, to pay the price for my sins on the cross. From now on, my life is fully submitted to you and to your kingdom. Use me for your glory. Let me live a life of gentleness to the people around me. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Come on, let's give God a round of applause today. Listen, if you prayed that prayer and you meant it, whether you raised your hand or not, Scripture says you're a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. So we wanna help you take the next step in your faith journey. The simplest thing for you to do would be to fill out the card that's in the seat back in front of you. Take that, fill it out real quickly. It'll take you one minute. And then stop by our next step table out in the lobby. Um, one of our pastors is gonna be there. We'd love to help you take the next step in your faith journey, point you in the right direction, get you connected to relationships and resources that are gonna help you grow in your faith. If you're watching online uh, or you're here in the room and you'd prefer, you can simply text 
text Summit PA to the number 94,000 and then select the prompt that says salvation. Let us know about that. And we're gonna text you back. We'll be texting back and forth with you, getting some of your information. But if you do that, uh, please stop, still stop by the Next Step table and let our team help you um, with your direction and with your next step in this journey. Because um, you might meet somebody, but you'd have to spend time with them to get to know them. And what we wanna do is help you spend some time with Jesus to get to know him better, to grow in your faith. So please help us help you uh, by doing that. Here's what's gonna happen right now. Pastor Todd's gonna lead us in one final song. We're gonna worship together. We're gonna sing together. And while we're doing this last song, I wanna encourage you, unless you have an emergency, don't go. Stick around just for a minute and, and ask God to show you, hey God, what areas of my life need to change? What are you trying to prune in my life, change in my life? And I promise he'll show you. And while we're singing, some of our prayer team and some of our staff are gonna be available and they're gonna be down here at the front of this room on either side of this platform. And we'd love to pray for you no matter what your need may be today. So if you have a prayer need as we begin to sing, step out from your seat, come find one of our team and let us pray for you before you go. So stand to your feet all over the room. We're gonna worship together one more time before we go today, guys. I tell you all often, I hope you know I mean it. I love you more than you know. And I am so glad that I get to be your pastor. God bless you guys. Have a happy Father's Day. If you enjoy this content, please let us know by rating and reviewing the podcast. You can also contact us at summitpodcast.church. Remember to share this episode with your friends and on social media. Summit Podcasts can be found on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts, we're there. Thank you for listening to Summit Podcasts, and we will see you in the next episode.